Whatever you want. I'll let you. Okay, Father, we're praising you, and we're just giving you thanks as we look to your word. We're asking that your Holy Spirit, Father God, who indwells us, Father God, would open our eyes of our understanding to greater revelation, Father God, than that which is taught. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks that our hearts are fertile for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> the nugget for today, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. So, pick a good one. So, pick a good one. All together, attitude is everything, so pick a good one. You know, sometimes we get up in the morning and we have a bad attitude. You can pick a better one. Glory to God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were still on um, prayer. And can anyone tell me what two weeks ago, what we spoke on, the title of it was? Boy, I got you. Scratch your head on that one. Prayer. That's yeah. right, okay. Brian, you got Good. it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Ask of me. You remember? Okay. So, would you like to know a great spiritual secret then? You can find it in three of Jesus' words. So, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. And we'll begin with verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, your, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The three words, the three secret words that we need to look at is in verse 29. Learn of me. If we will learn of Jesus, we will have the secret to all success. Amen? When we learn of him, it will change our lives inside and outside. Glory to God. Uh, but we must be careful because pride, the pride in our hearts will blind us to the glorious truth that is presented before us. Oh, I've heard that before, or, you know, that, so that's pride. I think, uh, not to mention Dan, but I will. He said this morning that he read the book of Matthew over and over and over, and he thought he knew it all. So that, I'm not saying he had pride there, but, you know, it says, learn of him. So oftentimes we'll hear something over and over, and we have to sit there and really open our, ourselves up just because uh, we've heard it once or twice or three times. You know, we need to really get going on this thing. So to begin with, it says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. Uh, this is a 
figurative uh, part of the language. It's often uh, used for oxen of the day, of Jesus' day, signifying the labor for one in the service of another. Signifying the labor for one in the service of the other. Uh, to the Jews, a yoke signified a sort of neck harness, a neck harness, which bullocks or oxen pull carts and wagons or are hitched to a plow. But also any kind of bond or obligation to do some particular thing or some particular work. The yoke could apply to any of the following things. So we're just going to look at the following things. The yoke of the kingdom of heaven. The yoke of the kingdom of heaven would represent obedience to the, reve to, to the revealed will of God. We need to be yoked to God's will. And let me say that the yoke that uh, Jesus said it was a it's easy and the burden, burden's light, but it's a yoke of love. It's not one of harshness, okay? So the, the yokes that we're going to be looking at are not harsh, but they are love, okay? So that was the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. That's being obedient to the, uh, to the will of God. Two, the yoke of precept. The yoke of precept. The necessity of performing any particular obligation by which a person has bound themselves to perform a vow per, per, per chance, like uh, the Nazarene vow. They would, you know, they wouldn't cut, uh, they wouldn't cut their hair, they wouldn't do this and that type of thing. So that's a what you call a, a yoke, a precept vow. You remember uh, when. Saul or Paul was um, uh, being hunted down by 60 Jews. They may all made a vow or a precept vow. And unfortunately, if they kept their vow, they would have been all dead within 30 or 40 days because they would not eat or drink any, you know, eat or drink until Paul was dead. So I, I wonder how many fulfilled their vow. <laughs> okay. 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 Then, then there's the yoke of repentance. The yoke of repentance. Without it, they could not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Repentance not only implied the forsaking of sin, but fasting and mortification. In other words, they, there was a pure. They had to have purity. And what was uh, John the Baptist out in the wilderness crying out? Repent. Repent. And they, everybody knew that uh, it was a yoke that we need to be hooked up to. Especially, you could say, for the believer today, we need that yoke of repentance. If, if we mess up, we, we could take First John 1, 9. We could hitch up to that, you could say, and uh, remove the burden that we put ourselves under through uh, our actions or our thoughts. Amen? So we want to, that's the yoke of repentance. Then there's the yoke of faith. Uh, the necessity of believing in the promised Messiah. The Old Testament saints had uh, the yoke of faith, wanting to be 
girded with that yoke of faith, knowing that the Messiah is coming, so they wanted to be hooked up there. And so, of course, our yoke of faith is a little bit different today, if you want to, if we're saying the yoke. Okay, then there's the divine yoke. The obligation to live a spiritual life, a life of thanksgiving and gratitude unto God. We need to get that one going. A divine yoke. The obligation to live a spiritual life, a life of thanksgiving and a gratitude unto God. Okay, Christ's yoke means the obligation to receive him as Messiah, to, to believe his doctrines and to be in all things conformed to his word and to the, to, to the spirit. Okay. My yoke is easy, he said. This means that the services are easily rendered and they are not burdensome, harsh, nor oppressive. Again, Jesus' yoke is lined with love. A delight to perform. Easy to obey. Joyful to do, and it's full of rewards. So uh, we need to get into that. Okay, let's look at some other areas. Do you have anything at this point? No? Okay. Right through the flowers. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's turn to the book of Philippians. <coughs> Learn of me is what uh, the title of this lesson today is learn of me that's the book of Philippians chapter 2 Paul goes 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 ahead and writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Learning of him. Jesus labored not for self-interest, but to promote the glory of God and the welfare and the salvation for mankind. So this is the type of mindset that we need to have. To labor not for self-interest, but for the glory of God, to bring people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Sounds like an evangelistic me message. If the rapture would happen tomorrow, and you knew it, I mean, God just told you tomorrow, what would you do? Or put it this way, who would you see? And what would you say? It's that important. Because the person that you're thinking about could spend eternity where you're not. So we have to think about it. This is what Jesus thought. He gave his life. And we are to promote that, to share that. And we live in the last of the last days. I mean, open your Bible into all the prophecies of the 
of the end times, and we're in it, right smack in the middle of it. Not in the middle, I'd say towards the end of it. You have the Iranians or the Muslims are wanting to wipe Israel off the map. And they already have their alliances all set up. Every nation in the world is against Israel. That's including us because we're not wanting to help them out. It's all coming to pass. It says, from around the world, Jews are converging into Israel. Wow. That was a prophecy. And it's coming to pass in our own eyes. <clears throat> and Jesus said, when you see these things, oh, then he said about the, the, we have wars and rumors of wars. They're all over the place. We have famine all over the world. In our country, we have quote, natural disasters. And everything is corrupt in the world. You can't find anything that's good in the world. We are living in the last days. Let your light shine. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I do have something, whatever. Okay. This is Philippians 2. <laughs> All right, okay. Okay, we are to make the Lord Jesus our role model, okay? And to frame our lives as much as possible to resemble him. Okay, go for it. Okay, I'd like to go up to verse 3. Verse 3. And start there in the Amplified. Do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let, let each regard the others as better at then and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each one of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being, who, although being essential, one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which made God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. I've noticed um, in talking to Christians recently, and I'm going, I'm gonna hit verse three, because God is dealing with believers right now to be Christ-like, exact like Jesus. And in some areas where we might have pushed some things to the mark, the Lord, you know, like, um, desiring certain things and pushing for it so hard that we just strove to get our way. I've noticed that many people's lives, God is teaching them to maybe back up a little bit and give, give more. 
because other people, God is trying to reveal himself through us in circumstances and situations. It could be money deals. It could be with people you work with every day. It doesn't matter, but sometimes our old self wants to move in on something, but the spirit man is telling us to go another way. And I have found in talking to people lately that the way they used to be, dogmatic in some areas, that the Lord has softened them up to where they are pliable and they're willing to listen to God. And as they are willing, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that, that have, have been in this area will understand. In, the, in, in other words, you're more pliable now to what God wants instead of what you, you used to go after in the, in the old days. You're more pliable to listen to the Spirit of God and give in some areas. I'm not talking about give in to the things of the world. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about watching out for someone else's welfare instead of you getting the, the thing that you want so bad. You'll get it but maybe you're willing to give a little. And so I've noticed, I've talked to many people that have, their lives has, have literally changed in this area to where they're, they're freely accepting and giving of themselves where before it was just a dogmatic no to where God is changing them and placing them in a position where he can bless them. You know, you have to sow seed to receive the blessing. How many realize that? I'm not just talking sow seed of your finances or in church. I'm, I'm sharing with sow seed as Jesus continually. He went out of his way to minister to people. He went out of his way to love people and, and to reveal himself. He was obligated. He says, learn of me in my ways. And so as pastors teaching this, this is what I picked up because I know God has really dealt with me in some ways that I'll be honest with you, I, I used to be tight, real tight. And I was like, I could go in there and deal with somebody and, and this is the way it was going to be. But God has shown me they need to make a wage too. I don't know if this is making any sense to anybody here. They need to make a wage, wage too. So I'm asking you to back up a little because if you'll back up a little, then I am able to bless you abundantly. I will make up that difference. I'm not saying he's always going to ask you to do that, but I've found in my life lately he has been, and he has blessed me in other ways that I couldn't even have imagined. You, under, you understand what I'm getting at right now? In other words, become flexible in the spirit right now because people are watching us, and our lives are maybe the only life they're going to see. And they could die tomorrow. You know, people, things are happening and people could die tomorrow. We are a vessel of Jesus. Whatever matters, really what matters is what he's asking us to do. And so he stripped himself of all privileges. And rightfully, verse 7, and rightful dignity, as to assume the guise of a servant slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. So he stripped himself. Sometimes we're going to have to strip ourselves of our old nature. And I'm finding this more and more the closer we come to the coming of the Lord. Thank God. I hope you all understood what I was saying because I've noticed in my life there's been some changes in 
<clears throat> some dogmatic ways that I used to do things that God has said, you know what, you are right, you could do this, but back it up, back, just back it up a little and let me move. You know, back it up, back it up and let me move. So I hope you understood. I might have more to say on that in a minute, but God wants you to be pliable right now in his hands. He wants to use you in a way that he's never been able to use some of us before. Hallelujah. So we need to have this mind in us, the mind that Christ had. He went about, and the scripture that's come to me so much is he went about doing good. He went about doing good. And so what I've really tried to line my life up with recently, am I going about doing good? And then it goes on to say, in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. But am I going about doing good? And if you can stand before God and, and say, God, what I want to hear from you is well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we all have a desire to hear in this hour. <laughs> I don't want to hear well. Why don't you do it? Amen? Okay, go ahead. Sweetie. Okay, I hope that first, didn't throw us off somewhere, but turn with me now to First Peter chapter two. That's First Peter chapter two. We're walking in His steps. Learn of me. First Peter chapter two, looking at verse twenty-one. For even hereunto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. We should follow his steps. He left us an example of being meek and gentle. Yeah. <clears throat> this is an object that is very important that we should follow the steps. Often too hard, often too, often we as Christians are very harsh to the unbeliever. Like you said, back off a little bit and let God work. Mm -hmm. Don't be so uh, rigid. Let me read verse 22 Each. after that. A new Christian, <clears throat> sincere, is fed with the milk of the word. And oftentimes when we have a new Christian, we are trying to cram a stake down their throat and they're, they're choking on it and they don't understand what's going on. So we need to be careful how we operate with those that are new Christians or just became born, born again Christians. They will desire the word like the milk of the word. It will grow on them. But we can't just give them all the don'ts, the do's, you know, well, you got to do this, you got to do it this way, or, you know, that type of stuff, it uh, throws a curveball curve to them, okay? Um, we should place our feet precisely where his were. If we place our feet precisely where Jesus was, if we're walking with him, hey, we're not going to mess up. You have something there? Mm -hmm. Go for it. Okay. This scripture stands out to me because God spoke to this me years ago. 
it talks about, um, we're going to go up a couple. It says, verse 20, after all, what kind of glory is there in it when you do wrong and are punished for it? You take it patiently. But if you do, if you bear patiently with suffering, with, which results from when you do right, and that is undeserved, it is acceptable and pleasing to God. For even to this were you called, it is ensparing in, in, in from your vocation. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you his personal example, so that you follow, should follow in his footsteps. Now I remember, I can't even remember it. I was actually at the sink doing dishes in our house in Watsonville, and he had done something that had really ticked me off, and I can't remember what it was. And I felt he was wrong in what he did, and of course, I'm sure he felt I was wrong in the situation. And um, God spoke to me, because I, I was really, I'm sure I was sitting there going, God, this isn't fair and whatever, you know, how you have these talks. And this is what he told me, and I'll never forget it. He said, when, when he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. When he was abused and suffered, he made no threats of vengeance. This is the part. But he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. And this is what he spoke to me that day, and I can remember it. He said, what I want you to do from this day forth, instead of arguing about something, getting upset about something, allowing, and I'm, he didn't put it this way, but I know now what he was talking about, allowing a root of bitterness to come in and grow down and get deeper and deeper. What he said was, he said, when he was reviled and insulted, he not, did not revive or offer insult in return when he was abused and suffered. He made no threats of vengeance, but he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. And this is what he told me. He said, if you will, from this day forth, hand everything over to me, over to God, in my name, God will deal with this thing and he will judge this thing fairly. And I thought, wow, okay. Um, you, you had to know my personality back then. But I said, okay, God, if this is exactly what Jesus did, then this is what I'm going to do because you do ju judge fairly. And it was interesting from then on in situations and circumstances, if I did this, which I made it a point to do this, God would judge fairly, and the person that injured you or whatever would sooner or later come to you and say, I really apologize. God dealt with me, and I was wrong. But I could have gone on and nagged and carried on and whatever, harped on the thing and, and allowed a root of bitterness to get in there that could have completely destroyed me. But instead, I did exactly what he said to, to do. He said... Trust 
yourself and everything to him, to God, who judges fairly. And then he goes on to say he personally bore our sin in his own body on a tree and on an altar and offered himself on it that we might die, cease to exist to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That was so powerful and I, I'll, I'll never forget that day because that saved me from, from a whole root of bitterness growing and destroying my life completely. And I'm so grateful for that. So if you can read this and study this and ask God what he wants you to do with this, he'll show you. Trust me, he will show you. If more people would do this, many marriages would be saved. But sometimes people just hold it all in and don't say a word, and that's even worse. They just boil inside till one day it just blows out like a volcano. So take heed in this one if we want to be Christ-like. Amen? He left us an example of meekness and gentleness. And this is how he did it. He trusted God. He turned it all over to God and trusted him. Hallelujah. Okay, for our next one, we will go to 1 John chapter 2. That's 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, looking at verse 6. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. We need to have the same walk or intimate union with the Lord in our beliefs, in our doctrines. I mean, if there's something that you're not measuring up to, you have to measure up to what God's word says. God is not going to measure down to what we believe. <laughs> Boy, would this be a crazy world if he did that. So we have to, each and every one of us have to measure up to his uh, doctrines. Implying, uh, implying a lasting condition without intermission. To walk with him means to, to have a con. Uh, lasting condition without intermission or without an end, proving a life of devotion and obedience as we walk with him. Uh, Amen. It's difficult when you run across something in the word of God that uh, you have um, put aside or rejected and it comes like a big old baseball <laughs> bat oh it is true Lord forgive me we need to be open open up to anything that our hearts are saying different to what the word of God show me Lord how this can change my life all too often we are set in our patterns and we are not wanting to get out of the, the rut that we're in. But if we will see how God wants it, wants it done in our lives, and then, Lord, help me in this area because my 
old nature is wanting to have this go this way. Uh, he'll work with us, but it's, you have to bring it up and you have to confess it before him for it to take place so that you can walk with him in complete unity. have to be teachable, very teachable. Well, there's that humble, humble spirit. We need to begin to want to have that intimate union with him in his beliefs. You know, there, you may, we may hang on to cer certain things in our past that are, are wrong. And it's slapping him in the face. And it's not giving us any <coughs> movement into into where he wants us to be. We remain babes. I mean. After a while, you want that baby to grow up. Amen, you don't want to keep on taking him into the restroom. Restroom, changing diapers. Changing a diaper. On a 40-year-old, you know, but that's what, that's the equivalent of what we're doing with, to God. He says, okay, you want to be in the kingdom of heaven, I want you to, to grow maturity, but you're still in line to have your diapers changed, to have your weight. It can't be that way. It's a stink. <laughs> we're carrying a dead man around with us, it's, it's, it's just stinketh. He, he stinketh. They say he stinketh after four days. What about after 20 years? Okay. I haven't. Yes, I'm sorry. I am. I've shared. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about my friend that was raised that miracles aren't of today and and visions and dreams and none of that is for today. And she believed it. And she and she said I could share this. So I am and. And uh, she married a man that was full gospel, and she she said <laughs> she was in church one Sunday, and I shared this how she looked around. There was hardly anybody there; it was just a handful of people. And she said I was really disgusted. And she said Jesus appeared, and I, I asked her more about this recently. He appeared on the like where they shoot the overhead, and there's Jesus smiling at her and telling her, um, "Why are you concerned about those that aren't here?" You should be blessed with those that are here. And she thought about this and she said, my first thoughts are, I don't believe in visions. <laughs> and I can't deny that I'm, you know, having one. And she said, he, Jesus looked at every person and smiled at everyone. And she says, I'm having this vision and I'm thinking, I don't believe in visions, but how can I? She said, I just had the smile. She, you saw it, you can't help but laugh. She just gave this smile to Jesus, and she said, I know that the praise team must have thought I was nuts, but she said it took her from Sunday to Wednesday to get her mind wrapped around this thing to be able to kick out the old teaching and believe it. Can you imagine to where she could share it? And that's how so many of us are, not in this church, I pray, but people have been taught things all their life, and when something wonderful happens like that, 
they have to, they have, they come to a place where they have to believe this was truly God or it isn't. But she said, there was no doubt on my mind because of his face and the way he looked at each person. Jesus, you know, we heard Rick Renner talk about, here. he's on his site, he talks about how every time I preach, I look for a vacant seat where Jesus is there. And that is true. He's in every service. It says, when two are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. And so we need to act and appreciate the fact that he is here. And so I just wanted to share that because she could have gone back and said, no, I don't believe this. But this took her into a whole new realm in the things of God. I was really excited because I've been trying to talk to her for years. Praise God. I was sitting there laughing. God is good. He is, he's wanting to reveal things to each of us right now that maybe we weren't quite sure of. Or Right now is the hour, church, that he is wanting to reveal things to you. Be open. Go to the Word. Study it all out in the Word, but be open. Okay. Learn of me. The secret to is to learn what Jesus says. Learn his compassion and the concern for souls. He is the way, the truth, and the life. To trust God in every detail and to come to know that the greatest power God has granted unto us is the power of prayer. What did Jesus do? He was constantly praying. And we need, in these last days, these last moments, you could say, we need to get on our knees and begin to pray. Because that's the power that Jesus had in prayer. When the disciples, when, they had, when he went up uh, with the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, he came down. Some disciples had, uh, a man brought his, his demon-possessed son to the disciples there, and he, he says, we can't do anything. He said that to Jesus, we, these guys can't do anything. And Jesus said, this does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So fa prayer, we need to get into praying to know what's coming out, coming forth. No believer can be an overcomer without being a prayer warrior. You have to be a prayer warrior. If you want to be an overcomer, you have to pray. And oh, our toes. Well, and you can't just go in try, praying and just, you know, a lot of people go in there thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to spend my five minutes before God. Well, sometimes he wants you to spend three hours before him in prayer. You know, well, I'm, I'm going to do this quickie. Well, that's not how God works. I hate to tell you. I mean, if that's the only time you have. But there are times when he wants you to take your day off and tithe it to him and spend that day in prayer. And when, I do, when that happens with me, I take off in the car and I go someplace that's very peaceful and quiet, away from everything and everybody, and spend the time with him. I don't want any interruptions around me when it's God in me. And so I found for me, 
the best time for me to do these to do this has become from one between one o'clock and four o'clock in the morning. Then he's over there sleeping, and so's everybody else. And there, I know nobody's going to call at that hour. If they do, then it's an emergency. But that's the time I know that I can take that time and give it to God, where it won't be interrupted. Praise God. Okay. Prayer ought to be a place of preeminent position in our lives. Prayer is not a light matter before God. Prayer is not the fruit of natural talents. It is the product of faith, of holiness, of deep spiritual character. The spirit of prayer should rule our conduct. The spirit of prayer should rule our conduct. Amen. The conditions of prayer are well ordered and clear. That of abiding in Christ using his name. Again, the conditions of prayer are well ordered and clear. That of abiding in Christ and using his name. Because you could, a lot of people use his name. Seven sons of Sceva used his name. It didn't work. You have to abide in Christ to use his name. Hello. Let's wake up here. A heart, for me, a lack of heart deprives praying of its realities and makes an empty, unfit vessel. A lack of heart deprives prayer of a reality and makes us an empty, unfit vessel. You gotta have heart when you pray. Wow. What did Jesus do? <clears throat> oh hum, oh hum. No. He had he he put his heart into his prayer. We have to learn to do the same. It's not a waste it is not it is not only a waste and a perversion and a delusion, but it is a prolific source of unbelief, lack of heart, that leads to doubt the truth and dishonors the Lord. That's heavy. Heart, soul, and life must be in our prayer to advance the kingdom of God. Our heart, soul, and life must be in our praying to advance the kingdom of God. We are in the last days. We are on the thresholds for that eastern skies is split open. Amen. And he's going to call us up. We need to be praying. Amen. Yes, we need to look. He says, occupy until I come. But we need to be in prayer. Do your jobs. But know that there's a greater call that you have in your life than, okay? All that contradicts God's, all that contradicts God's needs are to be bound, and all that agree with God's needs need to be loosened. So things in your life are that are contradicting what you that. In your life, you need to bind those things in your life, and loosen those needs that God wants you to do. Amen. And this is a, a a tremendous responsibility we have, and that's the power of prayer. Prayer can do anything 
that God can do. That's a heavy thought. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Because if you're abiding in him, he said, ask what you want. It should be granted. So prayer can do anything that God can do. Prayer applies God's authority directly upon any difficulty. Amen? You have something there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Far away. Okay, this is part of learning about Jesus. We're going to go up and start on, on Proverbs 22, verse 21. Proverbs. This is really heavy. Proverbs 22, verse 21. Wow. Okay. Proverbs 22, 21. That I may make thee know the the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mayest answer the words of truth, to them that, that send unto thee. Rob not the poor, because he is poor. Neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. Now this one's where it's at right here. Make no friendships with an angry man or woman, of course. And with a furious man, Thou shalt not go. Look what it says here. Lest thou learn his ways. So if you have know anybody that is angry, and you make friendship with that angry person, it says, make no friendship with an angry man. Or it says in the Amphite, or a man given to anger, where with a wrathful man, do not associate, lest you learn his ways and get yourself into a snare. Now look at what it says this snare is. Be not one of those who strike hands and pledge themselves, or of those who become security for another's debts. Usually... These people that want you to become security for their debts are angry people. And Jesus is telling, and this is, this is why, what the Lord showed me, why some people are in bondage to this day because they have opened up the door and yielded themselves over to an angry man, learned of his ways, and then ended up being responsible for their debts. And this causes a bondage on, pers- on, a, on a person. And Jesus saying that, is telling us we need to learn of him. And this, here he's telling us, learn of me. Do not become or befriend or be in fellowship with an angry man because you will learn. You will learn from them. You will get caught in their ways. It's like a snare to you. And then you will end up, it says, it says, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare 
to thy soul. This is why many people cannot move out of the place that they're in because of, of the relationship that they've had with an angry man. I'll put it bluntly, they need deliverance from it. Okay? Jesus is telling us to learn his ways. You noticed when things went, when, when there were angry people or whatever, he didn't partake of that. The only, he got angry the one time in the temple when they were selling things. And he was in righteous indignation when he did that. Because these people were, were literally robbing God. And to learn of Jesus' ways, you know, when you, want, when you start, this, this is what the Lord just showed me. When people yield themselves over or become friends with an angry person, their, their prayer life goes to pot because they can no longer connect to God. They have a hard time connecting to God because of the things that that angry person has done to them. But from what Jesus is saying here, when we make friendship with that person, we might even do this in ignorance we get snared in this situation, and Jesus is saying, I want, to deliver, I, want to, I want to deliver you from this and teach you the right way to go, teach you to learn from me. And there's more on this that I'm going to be studying out, but if you know that you have involved yourself with someone that was angry, then it's a very big possibility that you need some deliverance from this, that it has become a part of you and you need to be freed from it. So I'm going to just throw that out there and um, if that's you, I will stay in here after and we will pray because this is a big thing right here. He's telling us to learn from him, act like him, do what he says and yet there are these snares out here that the enemy has to keep us from operating the way Jesus has called us to operate. And there are people in this hour, I, I know I get calls from them that I'm praying for that have allowed themselves to become snared. So praise God. We need to allow ourselves to be freed this very day. Amen. And I know there are people that are hearing, will be hearing this um, online that need to have an understanding that the reason that you're having problems in prayer or that you can't pray the way you desire to any longer is it's very possible that you have been become involved with an angry person or are involved with an angry person in this hour. And so I just needed to share that part, honey, for those that are out there listening. It might not have made much sense to some of you, but if it didn't, then that's good because then you're not involved with an angry person or you haven't gotten to that point, thank God, but don't get involved with them. You see someone that gets angry all the time, stay away from them. Have nothing to do with them. Amen? Go ahead, sweetie. I'm sorry. I know that was, Anybody was flew that, in there. We've all gone out to the beach in the ocean, and you ever see those signs? Undertow? That's what anger is. You go out there, you don't feel it. But it's something that's going to just pull you under because you are so uh, hammered by the beautiful surroundings 
that you don't recognize something is pulling you away from into darkness. That's what an angry person will do. Or a raging river. I mean, uh, I know what the uh, raging river raft rides and all that type of stuff. They tell you you can go different categories. You know, and, and there are certain ones you've got to be a pro at before you can go through these uh, breakwaters and whitewaters. And if you're not, you're going to end up hurt. But it, like so many other people, they, they, we start off in the river just nicely, and then we go through a little white water. Oh, this is neat. Then pretty soon you see signs, you know, category three type, and that's not the ones you want to go into. But we go on there, and guess what? A lot of people don't survive because they get swept into it because they think they can handle it at the, at the small end, but when it gets bad, it just pulls us under. That's what anger does. Okay. Let's all stand. We're going to close. What's that? Pastor didn't share two of the things that, that I, I didn't hear him say. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Yeah, I did that. Prayer applies God's authority directly upon the difficulty. He said he did that. I didn't hear him. I was too busy studying that other. So you need to take the prayer and apply God's authority directly upon the difficulties. Immediately. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget ladies' prayer tomorrow night. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. We thank you, Lord. This is the day that you made, Father God. We rejoice in it. We thank you, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, Father God, that we can be a blessing to those that we come in contact this day, Father God. Let our light shine, Father God, for all to receive in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you.